Uh, well, this is the fifth and final week of our series on prayer, and um, hopefully you, many of you were kept, keeping up with the prayer texts and emails and alerts, and I've had several people say, can we keep doing this? And, and probably not in the way that it has been. It's a little bit labor-intensive to set up all the emails and text messages, but I'm, I'm trying to think of some ways where we can do something that does help guide us in prayer that doesn't require so much uh, constant attention to send those out. Um, now, the thing I want to talk about today is probably one of the t- biggest issues when it comes to prayer that, that Christians have, and, and maybe even people who aren't Christians have when they look at us and they say, why, why doesn't God answer all of our prayers? What do we do with those unanswered prayers? And a lot of us have had those in our lives. Um, like you said, you don't have to be a Christian to pray, and so a lot of people have had those unanswered prayers in their life. Um, I will say that I think we actually have a lot more answered prayers than we even realize. I mean, how many prayers have we prayed that God has given us, and he's just so good at blessing us that half the time we don't even notice it. Um, You know, I've prayed a ton of prayers that my kids would be healthy, and yet I fail on a daily basis to thank God for the fact that my kids are very healthy, healthy enough to be dramatic when they're mad at me and stuff like that, right? And so, I mean, there's moments like that. There's a lot of babies that were in in our congregation that are now not babies anymore, but before they were born, we were praying for them, and their parents were praying for them, and, and were maybe even having, some people, couples had difficult, difficulty conceiving, and so they had uh, groups of us praying for them, and, and, and now that those kids are born, it's like, do we still thank God for those answered prayers? Um, and I just think oftentimes we just kind of overlook so many of the just general blessings that God is just pouring into our lives every day. And I think it is important to pay attention to that when you talk about unanswered prayers. Because when you get something that's unanswered, oftentimes it just overshadows you and you forget and you become a little bit ungrateful that God's not doing this thing that you're praying for, this big thing that you're praying for, and you can forget all of the many ways, the daily ways that he's been taking good care of us. I, I spent a lot of time as a, an angsty, grumpy, emotional, dramatic young man. My kids get it from me, by the way. Um, b- just praying for a wife, you know, and every time a relationship would end, is oh, I'm never going to find someone. I'll be alone forever, you know. I'm already 22. When am I going to get married? You know, things like that. I was very over the top, and, I, you know, I was always the kid who just, I don't know why, I always had wanted to find love and get married and all that stuff, and, and so, uh, you know, I every basically every person I ever dated, God, I want to be with them forever. I, I bet I prayed that at some point to about everybody I've dated. Well, God didn't answer that prayer in the way that I wanted, but He did answer my prayer, and He led Abby and I together. And and you know, my life has been influenced on every possible level because of marrying her. And again, how often do I stop and say, thank you, God, for not answering those, the prayers in the way that I prayed them, but in the way that you knew was right. And so there's so many ways that we can kind of overlook the ways that God has taken care of us. And maybe even sometimes we need to thank God for all the times he's given us a big fat no. In the moment, it might hurt. But man, you get a little bit of hindsight in your life, and you can be incredibly, incredibly grateful for all. I, I'm grateful for all those people I didn't marry that I wanted God to. I was so disappointed and heartbroken as you know, at eight, at, in high school and and college, as the you know girlfriends came and went. Not that I had a ton of girlfriends that came and went, but you know what I mean. And and yet, if God answered all of our prayers, imagine how different our lives would be. Imagine how different you would be. Honestly, I think I would be like a spoiled brat if God gave me everything. I think I'd be very ungrateful if God gave me everything that I always wanted. And sometimes him telling me no and then 
answering my prayer either in a different way or just doing something completely different with my life has taught me to appreciate his goodness in my life and the fact that he's a good parent who doesn't just spoil me with everything that I think that I want. He's got better for me than my little brain can often see. But when it comes to those real issues that are often the the topic of what we consider our unanswered prayers, it's very difficult to come to terms with that because it's one of the hardest things that we as Christians have to deal with. And when we are in the middle of, of a situation where we are praying for relief and healing and it's not coming, that is one of the biggest tests of our faith that we will ever go through. And so as Christians, and I think before you even get to a spot where you're going through something like that, even while maybe your life is still good and you maybe are thinking, I can't really think of anything God hasn't given me or any big issue like that. Even if you're not thinking about it, I think it's good for us to kind of wrestle with this because it's probably going to happen to us at some point. It's okay for us to kind of start to figure out what do we do with unanswered prayers because we proclaim Sunday after Sunday a God who is good, meaning he does good for us, not evil. A God who is loving, meaning he truly cares about our well-being. We, we talk about a God who is powerful, all-powerful, meaning he can do whatever he chooses to do. And then there's going to become those times, though, where it's like, is he even listening? Is he, is, is, what, what, did he just like take a month off? What's happening? And it feels like maybe God doesn't have good for you in mind, or maybe God doesn't love you enough to listen. Or maybe God's just not that good of a God and he's not that powerful enough to, you know, that your request is just beyond his ability to do it. And so when you face an unanswered prayer that's for something sizable, it becomes very easy to start doubting God's goodness, his love for you, and if he's even capable of taking care of you. And there will be those times when it does feel like God's just not answering the phone that he straight up abandoned us. You know, we, uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about how God was this good and perfect heavenly father. But when you get into a season where his, that, the thing you're praying for, the relief you're praying for, when it's not coming, uh, it can feel like he's more like an absentee father who, who ran out on you, who abandoned you in your time of greatest need. And, and again, we're not talking about these little tiny prayers of, you know, all the times my girlfriends broke up with me when I thought they were the love of my life. And, oh, God, you didn't answer my prayer. How dare you? I'm not talking about those little things. I'm talking about those big moments in life when, you know, you were looking for some sort of healing in your life, maybe physical healing. You were sick or someone you love was very sick with something that was painful and difficult and it made life very hard and you prayed for help and it didn't come. You prayed for healing and day after day goes by and you'd see no healing. Each day comes and goes and you're still sick. I'm praying for the, this is, we're talking about those times when maybe you have an event or in life that's looming over you and it's terrifying you and you're overcome with anxiety and you're just saying, God, help me to be at peace with what's happening. Help me to trust you and feel at ease. And yet those feelings of anxiety and pain and fear don't go away. And you are just begging, crying out to God for relief and it's not happening. How are we supposed to make sense of that stuff? You know, is, is God just not good? Is he just not loving? Is he just not powerful enough? And you might even have somebody who's not really in um, on, let's say, who doesn't really have a, a positive perspective of God come to you and say, this is why I don't believe in God. See, he didn't answer my prayers either. 
So I don't either think, and they might even say, he's either not real or he's not worth your time because he's letting you go through. What kind of good God would let you endure such pain, endure such suffering? And so sometimes you even get grief from people around you for trying to have faith in the middle of those miserable and painful seasons of life. And, you know, some people will just say that, you know, unanswered prayer is like the checkmate of atheism versus Christianity. Because if God was good, surely he would answer all your prayers. If God was good, yes, he'd take away all the suffering. If God was good, he'd make sure everybody was healed and everybody lived to 120 and, and passed away in their sleep peacefully. That, that's, that's what people um, will often say. That if God doesn't answer your prayers for these wonderful ways of healing, if God isn't giving you relief and peace and happiness every single day of your life, then he's not a good God. Checkmate, argument over, Christianity's fake. And I don't think any of that's true. And sometimes they'll even accuse us as Christians of never wrestling with the harder issues of faith. That we just kind of get to something like this and we say, uh, well, God's still good and we just bury our head in the sand. And that's not true, especially when it comes to this idea of unanswered prayers. The Bible talks about those moments when we would be praying and not getting the response we were looking for from God. And in fact, Jesus talked about it. In fact, in just one book, the book of Luke, Jesus talks about it twice. Um, so that's where we're going to spend our time is in the, the New Testament book of Luke. If you're a little unfamiliar with the Bible, um, Luke is, a, is one of the four Jesus-focused biographies that begin our New Testament. We have four different individuals who decided to write biographies of Jesus' life and begin passing them around so people who did not witness Jesus could learn about him, hear what he taught, and see that he did die and rise from the grave for our salvation. And so Luke was one of the guys, and he was a physician, uh, a doctor, and, and he went around and he interviewed people who knew Jesus. He talked to Jesus' mom. He talked to people who saw Jesus die, talked to people who saw Jesus rise from the dead, and then he put together what he wanted to be an orderly account of Jesus' life and death and burial and resurrection so that everybody could know the amazing story of Jesus. And in Luke's very carefully written account, we come to two stories where Jesus talks about what do we do when we're asking God for things and he's not delivering the way that we thought. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, um, which if you brought a Bible, I'd encourage you to get, get uh, one. And, and it's, it's just kind of nice to get familiar with finding things in the Bible and learning how to navigate Scripture for your own self. And then um, if you brought a Bible, great. If you didn't, there's a black one near you. Or the verses will be on the screen behind me. And so in Luke chapter 18, which in the Black Bibles, that's page 877, um, in Luke 18, we'll start in the very beginning, <clears throat> it says, and he told them a parable. Um, a parable, by the way, if you don't know, is, is a made-up story that was told to, to, can, to teach a point. And so Jesus, it's just, he made up the story to teach a, a point. And so he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart, meaning that there's times where we're going to pray and it's not going to go our way, and the first thing we're going to want to do is to doubt God and to give up on faith, to walk away, to doubt that God is good, to doubt that he's good for us. And so he says, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And so Jesus kind of sets the stage here, saying you've got a judge 
who doesn't respect God or, or respect man, basically saying he don't care what anybody says. He doesn't care what God thinks. He doesn't care what God says is right or wrong. He doesn't care if people like him or not or if people think he's a good judge. He just doesn't care about anybody, meaning nobody's got power over him. Nobody's going to sway his opinion. He's just going to do whatever he wants to do. And then he says there's a widow who was coming to him. And so just as he paints this picture of a very powerful judge who really nobody has influence over him, so he's all-powerful, he's got this widow. And in the first century, a widow was the perfect picture of utter helplessness. Because in that, in that time, women really didn't have a lot of rights. You could maybe own property if your husband owned it and then died and there was nobody else to leave it to. Um, but you couldn't really work. You couldn't really take care of yourself. Um, in that society, they needed a, a man in their life, either a, a, a father or a husband or a son who could work and take care of them. And so this lady had no authority, no power, nobody she could go to to kind of come to this judge and plead on her behalf. She just really had no power at all, coming up to this all-powerful judge, and she's begging for, for justice from him. And the thing about justice, it's interesting. I like that that Jesus uses this as the example of the court issue because when we start to pray for big things that we don't get, we start to feel as if God is not being just, or rather we feel like God is being unfair. Um, one of the most common things that people, especially Christians, can, can go through when maybe you get very sick or you have some issue that's in your life that's huge, you start to think, come on God, this isn't fair. What did I do to deserve this? I don't deserve this. And you know, we, you could be praying for some healing from some terminal illness, and it's not coming, and it's not coming, and you think, come on, I've gone to church, and I try to be a good person, and I've, you know, given to good missions, and I've tried to be generous with people, and I've tried to help, and here I am dying, and then you look over, and you see somebody who's like 90 years old, and they've been a jerk for all 90 of those years, and you think, what's up with that? Like, I'm, here I am dying young, and the jerks are going to live forever. Like, I don't understand it, God. And it can kind of make you shake your fist at God and feel frustrated. Like, he's not really giving you a fair shake. Like, he's not really being just with you. I mean, maybe you're somebody who tries to be wise with money and get ahead, and so you're trying to use wise biblical principles so that you're not just, you know, scraping by all the time, so that hopefully you get a little margin in your finances so that you can be more generous. And maybe you even have, again, good, non-selfish motives for trying to be better with your money, and yet everything keeps happening to you. There's an ER visit, and then the AC breaks, and then your refrigerator started dumping ice everywhere as it melted, and you're just like, come on, every time I turn around and start to gain traction, something breaks and I'm 5,000 bucks in the hole again. I don't understand it. Come on, God, where Where's the relief? Where's the help? It's just not fair. And so you have this lady coming to this judge saying, come on, I need, where's my justice? Where's the fairness? Come on, this, this bad thing has happened to me. Somebody mistreated me, and I just want life to be fair. And so Jesus goes on. For a while, he, the judge, refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, because it said she kept coming to him, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Uh, you know, I love that. Why did he accommodate the widow? Because she was right? No. Because he was a generous person? Because he honored justice and value and fairness and what was right? No, he didn't care about any of that. He just got tired of her bugging him. He didn't want to see her face every day. And because she was persistent... And kept coming to him and asking for justice, he gave it to her. And what's interesting is because the, the picture here is that Jesus is kind of just saying, pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Don't stop praying, 
Even when you, you aren't getting what you're praying for, keep praying. What's funny about that is in the first century, the, the Jewish culture had kind of adopted this framework that they got from the prophet Daniel of praying three times a day. And there was even this common thought that you don't want to pray more, more than three times a day because you're really going to start to pester God. As if God's going to be like, enough, it was four prayers, I can't do four, I can only handle three. As if God's going to get frustrated with that. And, so they, and yet Jesus is kind of breaking them out of that, saying, you're not going to wear God out. You're not going to beat him down because of this. And, you know, maybe some of you relate to that idea of being, man, they just won't stop bugging me and nagging at me and pestering me. I don't know what area of your life you might relate to that to. I personally, for this stage of life, I relate to it as a parent. I've given my kids so many more little pieces of candy than I ever thought I would as a dad. Um, as somebody who pays, who takes them to the dentist and has to pay for all those cavities filled, I thought, no, I'll never, you know, maybe once, candy every once in a while. I mean, good grief, I'm like the Easter bunny going through just throwing candy at them. And, and I've let them download more of those free useless games onto my phone. Why? Dad, can I have some candy? Dad, can I get a game? Dad, can I have some candy? Dad, can I get a game? Dad, can I have some candy? Dad, can I get it? Yes, I'll give you whatever you want. Just stop talking. I'll give you my kidney if you'll just give me one moment of precious silence. Like, like there's those moments when you're just like, I cannot take it one second more. And I love that that is the picture that Jesus paints here, that this helpless widow gets her justice simply because she wouldn't stop pestering the judge. And so you can kind of start to think, well, What's the point here? Am I just supposed to bug God until he gives me whatever I want? Well, that's not the point because Jesus goes on. He says, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's basically saying, if this poor widow can get justice from this horrible judge, don't you think God's going to look out for you? That's the point here. If she can go and get this guy to give her justice just based on pestering him, don't you think the God who loves you and cares for you is going to be with you and look out for you? Because the issue here, when God isn't answering prayers the way that we want, and there's an issue of pain and sorrow and frustration going on in our lives, the main issue here is not that we'll stop praying, it's that we'll stop trusting God altogether. It's that we'll lose our faith in him altogether. And Jesus is saying, God is still good even when you're not getting your prayers answered right away. And his point is that you can trust God to do the right thing and that you should persist in praying even if God isn't immediately delivering to you what you think he should give you. I mean, if I'm an evil human being who happens to be a dad, I'm imperfect, i don't have great patience all the time, I get frustrated, I give my kids candy when it's not really probably the best for them, just for my own special or personal gratification of having a moment of silence while they're chewing up something sticky and, you know, they can't talk while it's all happening, you know. I've thought this through. And, and so, like, if, if I'm a, an evil, broken human being and I still work my hardest to give my kids good things and to look out for them and to be there for them, don't you think God's going to be there us because he is not imperfect. He is absolutely perfect. He takes care of and looks for us. In this parable, it says that he will give us justice. Now again, I like this idea of justice. I like that Jesus set this parable up this way because 
when we are hurting and we start to think things are unfair, it's usually because we are expecting God to deliver things that he never promised to give. And we are, we're wrong. We're just flat out wrong in thinking God's not being fair. Because I'll be honest, God didn't promise us all 120 years to die in our sleep. That's just not how life goes. Some of us won't make it that, that long. Probably, I don't, maybe, maybe some, some of you who are younger, maybe they're going to have some medical technology and you'll make it to 120. Kudos. Good luck with that. I don't know, um, you know, uh, but, but for the rest of us, uh, there's going to be a lot of us who don't make it that far in our life. And again, God never promised that that's what every single one of us was owed. That's never a promise made in Scripture. He never promises a life without broken appliances, a life where you're not scrambling day by day to pay the bills. He never promises total wealth for people who follow him. There's this common misconception that is often peddled by people who, I I don't know if they're trying to take advantage of the system or they're just ignorant of how the true gospel works, but but people will, will throw out there that if you become a Christian, everything in your life gets fixed. that's not been my experience it just hasn't last year and i I won't say claim i paid for this because i live in a parsonage so the church is owns it and and keeps it up with it but we had a dishwasher that we hadn't had for a couple years and i mean we had a guy out there like 14 times they basically took every part out and put new parts all in it still wouldn't work and i was like i feel so bad that i keep what is wrong with this stupid dishwasher my life's so terrible and i gotta hand wash dishes hand wash dishes i mean what horror what a horrible life feel bad for me you're right and so you know i'm just like mad and frustrated and i wasn't even the one paying the bill for it all right and so it's like this is like but god never promised me that everything would be easy and that those little things aren't going to happen or that bad things aren't going to pile up that i wasn't going to get sick that my kids weren't going to get sick even though that's one of my deepest greatest fears something like that's going to happen sometimes when we get angry at god it's because we feel like god owes us a life of perfect health perfect ease perfect financial security every step of the way and those things are not owed to us We are people who live in a broken world where bad things happen, and we forget that God's greatest desire for us is to give us hope of a life beyond this mess. Not to give us heaven now, but to get us to heaven later. And so oftentimes our sense that God is being unfair is just because we're wanting things that God never promised. And so we tend to reject God on on just basically us having a a poor ability to see past our pain, to see past our frustration. It, our, our pain and our, our heartache and our frustration can blind us from the bigger picture of God at work. Because when you're really hurting, what are you thinking about? The pain. You're not thinking about everything else. You're not thinking about what else is going on in life, what God's grander plan might be. It's hard to just see past those moments of hurt. And yet Jesus instructs us when our prayers aren't getting answered when we're not getting delivered the things that we want jesus just says that we ought to keep praying and keep trusting god and that probably isn't the answer that you wanted because if you're like me i want to preach the sermon and then say and so here's the eight things jesus said we should do to always get our prayers answered here's the eight things you should pray to make sure god heals you and you live to a good old ripe age but that's not the answer that we get and when we don't get the healing that we're seeking, when we don't get the relief that we're seeking, when our cries for God give me peace in my anxiety aren't answered, Jesus says don't distrust God. 
you keep praying. You keep being persistent in your prayer. And, and he says, do not let that pain blind you from the fact that God has always been good to you and that he is still good to you. Just because he's not freeing you from this one painful moment does not mean that he's abandoned you or taken his hand off of you and he's not leading you someplace blessed and good. Now, that again, not the answer that most of us wanted. It's not the answer that I particularly am super comfortable with. And I don't know how I will handle it when bad things come into my life. Will I be able to stop and trust God and just keep praying and be persistent and pray day after day, trusting God? But what I want to do, because that's as far as Jesus goes. That's the answer he gives us. But what I want to do is I just want to give you four reasons that I came up with. So these aren't scripture. I'm stepping outside of the Anthony's preaching to you what the Bible says moment. And I just want to give you four ways Four possible reasons why God might not be answering your prayers and why he might call you to keep praying in those moments. So again, these are mine, not out of scripture. I just want to make that distinction. But I just want to be able to let us be people who give God the benefit of the doubt. We're not very good at always giving God the benefit of the doubt. Or just when we disagree with people, we're not very good at giving them the benefit of the doubt. We live in a world where the people who disagree with us or do things we don't like, they're immediately the devil. I hate that person. They're the worst. They're my enemy now. Like, but... This says when God doesn't give us our way that we can give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe there is more at work than we can see. So maybe the first reason. Persistent prayer can reveal to you what is important to you. If you are unwilling to pray for something for a significant amount of time through a season of life, is it really that important to you? I mean, if you can't devote time, if it's not weighing on your heart enough to draw you to the presence of God, to ask for God's help, is that prayer even important to you? Do you know how many lame prayers that I've prayed over my life, that I thought, things I thought I wanted so bad and I prayed so hard for a week and then forgot about it? But what this does is it reveals what is truly important to me. And sometimes I think God doesn't answer our prayers right away because he wants to let those smaller things that I think are so important in the moment because my emotions are really excited about it, he wants to let those fall by the wayside so I can learn what is important by, by coming back and praying about it again and again and again, season after season, day after day, week after week. You know, as a parent, if I can't continually pray for the, the hope that my kids are one day going to give their life to Jesus, if I can't pray for the faith of my kids day after day, month after month, year after year, do I really care about it? I mean, if I'm not praying for my kids... God, I mean, doesn't that reveal where my heart sits? When all I'm praying for is, God, let this dishwasher work so I don't have to wash another load of dishes. I mean, doesn't that show how silly and juvenile my heart and my relationship with God is? Maybe God wants, wants to reveal to you that your heart maybe isn't in the right place and to help you to focus on more important things. Number two, maybe God wants to just grow you through persistent prayer. Um, one example that immediately comes to mind when I think of this is that the idea that I've, I've heard numerous stories of, of women who prayed for their husbands who weren't Christians for like 40 years before he became a Christ follower. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed for decades. N as their husband, I'm not going to church, I don't believe in that, I'm not doing that stuff, that's nonsense, you know, resistant for decade after decade, and they were faithful to continue lifting their husband up to God, saying, God, please work in their life, please use me to, to draw them closer to you. You cannot tell me that those daily prayers for their spouses did not draw them to a deeper love for their spouse. 
that took their marriage to a different level where they weren't just concerned about their needs and he didn't take the trash out and he always puts his underwear on the floor and it took him past that stuff to where I'm not just caring about this marriage working now, I'm worried about his eternal soul. I'm worried about seeing him in heaven with me for all eternity. It took that love to a deeper level and then when in those occasions when God does answer that prayer and they do after 40 years of prayer see their husband become a Christian, you can't tell me that that doesn't explode their faith and take it to a whole different level. So maybe God wants to grow us and and mature us through daily persistent prayer for things that where he's just said not yet, which brings us to the third thing. Maybe you're praying for something and it's just not God's time. Maybe it's not no. Maybe it's just not yet. Maybe one reason why you've been praying and praying and God hasn't answered your prayer is just because it's not right yet. God knows when certain things should happen. He's got a plan and you're just jumping the gun a little bit. You know, it probably wouldn't have been great for me if I had gotten married at 14 for that girlfriend I was praying for. I mean, I just don't see how that could have gone well. A lot of things in my life had yet to change, you know? And so it's just, like, there's times when you pray for things, and it's not bad, but maybe when God says no, it's not a no, it's just a not yet. And then one that I think is incredibly hard for us to understand is that maybe you're just praying for something that isn't even his will. Maybe what you're praying for is just not going to happen because it's not what God has for you or for me. And this gets hard when you talk about something like, I'm terminally ill, and it's not going to get better. Or my kid is terminally ill, and it's not going to get better. And maybe God's will for your life, again, is not that you would have this life be great, but that you would have salvation to have an eternity of great, eons of great. You and I don't even have a, a category in our brain for eternity. We just can't get it. I mean, we really can't. And to think like how much bigger eternity is than this little life. And yet we are so focused on this little life. Maybe God's plan for you is not this, but later. The better life to come. Um, you know, I, I've had the pleasure as a pastor. And it was a bittersweet pleasure of seeing people who were gr- very strong believers. Deep saints in their faith. Face death with incredible fortitude, incredible trust in God along the way. And there were people that prayed for them by the dozen that they would be healed. And those prayers all went unanswered. And they they died. But every day up until their death, they proclaimed that they trusted God and that their hope was not in this life, but in the one that Jesus had died to get them to. And I can't, I can't stop being amazed by how many people were affected by that person's death, probably more so than they ever were by that person's life. And so maybe God's purpose for you is bigger than what you would have for it. And maybe for us, we want our lives to be good here and now. We want things to go pleasurable here and now. And maybe God just has a bigger purpose to share himself with other people, to reflect his glory and his goodness, not through your life, but through something painful like an illness or a tragedy. And that's not easy to say, but I've, I've seen it happen multiple times where God uses somebody facing death. And, and there's so many people that heard about the goodness and, and saw not just nice platitudes like, God is good all the time, yay, but like somebody who was facing the worst and still saying, God is good because my hope is not in this side of the grave, but on the next. 
the other side of the grave. And so maybe God says no because it's not his will, because his will for you is better and bigger than what you would even have for yourself. It's better than just your pleasure. Maybe God can use you more through something difficult than he could ever use your life through something pleasurable and easy. And so God not answering our prayers is, it's nothing new. Jesus talked about it 2,000 years ago. He knew our first response would be to cry, that's not fair, God's not being good to me. And he wanted to remind us that no, that is not the case. That God was with you through it all as a good heavenly father, as, a, as, as any parent loves their children through good, through bad, through pain, through ease, that God is with you through it all. And he will do what is best for you in everything, even when you cannot see it. And he even wants us to trust him in our suffering, even in our times of pain, even in times when he says flat out no to us. Jesus wanted us to see that God could be trusted with goodness. We could, be, we could trust, excuse me, in God's goodness through anything. And you might say, well, that's easy for Jesus to say. He prayed for things to happen and, you know, people were healed and all this crazy stuff happened. But Jesus actually has great experience to tell us to keep praying when God says no and to keep trusting God when he says no. Because the night before he died, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to be spat on. He knew people were going to punch him in the face and rip out his beard, strip him naked, beat him with whips, and then hang him on a cross while he suffocated to death. He knew that was coming, and he was absolutely terrified of it. And he sat down and he prayed, so anxious and so scared that blood was seeping through his pores of his skin and dripping off like sweat. He was absolutely terrified, and he said, God, if there's any way that, this, that people can be saved and I don't have to go through this, please, let's find another way. And God said, no. God said, this cross is the plan I have for you. And it is the plan through which I have been working all of human history so that salvation could come to all people. And you are the one who chose this. And I know it's scary now, but this is what is best for all people. And God said, no. And Jesus still trusted him because at the end of that prayer, he said, God, not as I will, but as you will. God, even if you say no to this prayer, I'm still trusting that you are going to do what is right, that you are going to do what is best. So Jesus heard no, and he told us to keep praying, to keep trusting. And so our answer, even though we don't necessarily like it, is to always keep praying, persistent daily prayer, all day long, all night long, if that's what's in us and that's what the Spirit is calling us to, to keep praying and to keep trusting God, even when life looks painful and scary and bad. That's what Jesus commanded us to do, and like we've been trying to do all along, let's follow his example. Let's pray. Father, we are, we are grateful for these words of Jesus, because I'm glad that there is no easy answer, some nice, clean, wrap it up in a bow answer, because pain and suffering aren't easy, clean things. We go through a whole series of emotions, and, and we, it, it brings out so much of us, sometimes our best, sometimes our worst, and, and yet you've given us this encouragement through Christ to keep trusting you even when life doesn't go our way, and to, to, to know that life is going the way you've designed it to go for us. And so let us not abandon our faith in you just because life isn't going our way, but maybe let us abandon our idea of what we wanted out of life and to start looking for the plan and the path that you have for us. 
And I pray that when these moments come, Father, where, where we can struggle to see past a hurtful moment or a difficult season, I pray that you would give us the, 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 the ability, the foresight to trust you and, and to give you the benefit of the doubt and to know that you still have life for us. You still have hope for us and a plan for us, even in those difficult seasons, and that you haven't given up on us. And that maybe like Jesus, we can do more by enduring pain than we could by escaping it. That we can do more for your glory and get more people to eternity by enduring sorrow than by, than by going through another happy season where everything's taken care of and everything goes our way. Because honestly, when everything goes our way, I, I think we tend to forget you. We tend to you know, forget that how good you are and the size of your goodness because we get complacent and we get spoiled. But through the, the darkness and through the difficult seasons, you, can, you grow and enrich our faith and you show us how good you really are, that your goodness goes beyond simple pleasure and simple, simple ease and simple, simple moments of life going our way, but you're a good father who walks with us even through darkness and you're a God who can even use the darkness for good in the lives of others and even in us. So let us be people who, who, who don't abandon trust in you, who don't give up our faith the moment when life turns away from our, our desires and our path uh, that we had planned. But let us look deeper into what you have for us and to trust you even when our hope starts to wane and our, our confusion sets in and even when we can't see past our anxiety and, and the fear of what this life is going to do to us. Help us to trust you all the same. Help us to know that you have life beyond the things that we can't see past. And thank you again for the example of Jesus, that we can trust him because he went through it, he endured it. And that if he, if he can still trust you in the midst of, of hearing no, then we can too. Help us to per, be persistent in our prayers and to trust you every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.